This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. The fallout from the Conservatives' disastrous local election results continued this week with the inaugural conference of the rebellious Conservative Democratic Organisation, during which the former Home Secretary Priti Patel accused Rishi Sunak of presiding over the managed decline of the Tory party. Energy Secretary Grant Shapps was determined to spin his party's predicament in a more positive light, telling Sophie Ridge there was an atmosphere of steely determination among his fellow MPs. But what's the mood like? Mm. Well, look, uh, I think that uh, the mood is one of steely determination. I think we think that we um, know that there's a job to do, that we are on the side of the British people, and, you know, whether that is getting inflation okay. halved or growing the economy uh, or reducing debt, dealing with the NHS waiting lists okay. and the rest of it, okay. stopping the boats. We're the ones who are on the side of the public. Shaps rejected the notion that the Conservatives needed to make significant changes, telling Laura Koonsberg they would stay the course on Sunak's five main pledges and claiming some measure of progress on growing the economy had already been achieved by avoiding a recession. Koonsberg pointed out that growth of 0.1% could hardly be called a success. My message is simple this morning to to, to your viewers, is uh, the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak set out his five pledges to, uh, as you said, halve inflation and grow the economy. We've uh, been through them, we don't need to hear them again. Uh, And he is still absolutely, and we are still absolutely committed to delivering those things, all of them, including the NHS waiting lists, including stopping the boats. But he's not achieving them. Well, and the uh, point is that he promised, here are my vows and I will deliver them. And on the current trajectory, it just doesn't look like that's going to happen. Well, my, my argument is wait till the end of that trajectory. He said he'd do them during this parliament, uh, actually on things like um, growing the economy. And I accept this is not the runaway growth or anything, but actually we've avoided the recession that even the experts were projecting and predicting. So actually there is some success in there uh, already, but we've got a lot. No, 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 of course not, of course not. But his, his, but his pledge was to grow the economy and we're starting to see it grow. And of course, in the next 18 months, mm-hmm. uh, we want to see that growth picking up, which is why it's very important we stick with the court. Sophie Ridge also spoke to Jacob Rees-Mogg, another attendee of the Conservative Democratic Organisation Conference, about the turbulence in the Conservative Party, asking if he thought getting rid of Boris Johnson was a mistake. He replied, of course it was, but claimed it would be an even bigger mistake to oust Rishi Sunak. Was it a mistake to get rid of Boris Johnson, in your view? Oh, yes, of course it was. I've said that a million times. But it would be an even bigger mistake now to get rid of Rishi Sunak. The Conservative Party cannot keep on changing leaders. We, we must back the leader we have got. So I'm no supporting Rishi Sunak. Let me be clear about that. And I said this at the conference yesterday, the CDO conference, um, that the Tory party would be toast if we changed leader again. And therefore we no. need to support the leader we've got. But, but that doesn't mean we agree with him on every policy. And to have a debate about policy is important uh, and I hope interesting for Conservative members in the country at large. 
Keir Starmer gave a speech this week outlining the scale of the challenge an incoming Labour government would face, referencing Tony Blair by saying his own Labour project would beat Clause 4 on steroids. But some, including Grant Shapps today, have accused Starmer of being changeable and insincere with his policies. Koonsberg asked Labour's Jonathan Reynolds if he thought Starmer was trustworthy, given he had suggested he didn't mind if he sounded like a Conservative in his recent speech. But it's interesting because Labour backers or some of our viewers this morning who might be wondering about backing Labour will also want to know that Keir Starmer is someone who they can really trust. And when he won the leadership, he said he'd make the case for moral socialism. Um, yesterday, he said, I don't, uh, I don't care if I sound like a Conservative. Now, what are people went to make of that? That well, sounds like someone who'll first say of all, let me almost just, anything let me just in order be clear to be about his reference. What Keir was asking is what is it the Conservative Party actually conserves? Because it's not the NHS, it's not the BBC, it's not our waterways full of filthy sewage, it's not the nation, it's not family life. And he was pointing out that to meet the things, to, to celebrate the things, to defend the things that make this country great, it's the Labour agenda that will do that. And on Keir personally, I voted for Keir Starmer. I wanted someone who could be the Prime Minister and do it for the right reasons, be in public service for the right reasons. And he embodies that and that hasn't changed and I think simply taking yes the statement and values he had in that leadership contest but recognising we've had things like the pandemic and that's affected how much money there is to spend on public services. That, that sensible approach to his ambitions should be celebrated. We've got to recognise the environment we're in. But do you do accept then that he has as you might put it been on a bit of a journey? I'm not saying if that's right or wrong but he has moved. No, I don't. I think the Keir Starmer I voted for in the leadership contest has fulfilled everything I wanted to see from him whether I was in his team or not, but simply to recognise that there'll be limitations, of course, on any incoming Labour government. There'll be limited funds, there'll be priorities we have to make. Of course, that is what he's got to do as we approach the election, as we approach the manifesto that we will put forward. But I think it is absolutely the same Keir Starmer that I supported, and I celebrate that. And finally, the intrigue, excitement and trepidation around AI continues. Stability AI CEO Ahmad Mostak told Koonsberg that AI will have a huge effect on the economy and it was up to us to decide which direction. Up to 44% of tasks could be affected by AI, becoming easy and potentially leading to job losses. On the other hand, Goldman Sachs has predicted AI could add 7% to the country's GDP. But Mostak also sounded the warning that without care, AI could become an existential threat to humanity. I think this will be a bigger economic impact than the pandemic, and it's up to us to decide which direction. Because so much of our world is about knowledge work, telling stories, all of finance is just basically stories. And these allow us to tell better stories and absorb stories better. Right now we're having this discussion and people are listening to it on TV. What if your Siri or your personal assistant could automatically log that have it relevant to wherever you are. You're an accountant, you know, you work in a hairdresser and capture that information seamlessly. That's where we're moving to. And again, the impact is an army of really talented grads that will become increasingly specialised at your fingertips. But to a lot of people, it might sound frightening. You know, that pace of economic change, you're suggesting something that could be as hit to the economy as big as the pandemic. Yes, and it could be for the positive as well as the negative. So on the one hand, you had a report coming out by OpenAI and other academic researchers that said up to 44% of tasks could be affected because they become incredibly easy. But on the other hand, you have um, Goldman Sachs saying it could add 6-7% to GDP. Why? Because you can do more. Everyone can do more. They keep their jobs but they do their jobs better and it creates abundance. It does, though, present some 
other challenges. And you were one of the people who um, was a signatory to a letter that we talked about on this program, actually, about the threats of the most advanced part, uh, the, the most advanced type of artificial intelligence sort of spiraling out of control. Now, you said that it could be an existential threat. What do you mean by that? So the origin of this is labs such as DeepMind, which is owned by Google, and OpenAI, which is funded by Microsoft, were trying to build artificial general intelligence, an AI that could do everything. And that's kind of scary, because what if it can do things better than us? If you have a more capable thing than you, what is democracy in that kind of environment? This is a known unknown, because we can't conceive of something more capable than us, but we all know people more capable than us. So my personal belief is it'll be like that movie Her with Scarlett Johansson and Joachim Phoenix. Humans are a bit boring and it'll be like goodbye, you know, you're kind of boring. But I could be wrong. If we have agents more capable than us that we cannot control, that are going across the internet and hooked up, and they achieve a level of automation, what does that mean? And what could that mean in the worst case scenario? Worst case scenario is that it proliferates and basically it controls humanity. Because you can have a million of these things replicating effectively. But we don't know. That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman and this podcast was produced by Joe Bedell Brill. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffee House Shots podcast on the iTunes store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily Evening Blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening and do join us again next week.